Yeah, I think the biggest one is respect. I think mm-hmm. uh, just just respecting people around you, and I'm not saying necessarily just your elders, but everybody. I think that the key thing is respect. I think if we had a little bit more of that from everybody, things would work out a lot better with everybody. My mother always used to refer to the golden rule. I don't know if anybody still, uh, if that still applies in this century, but uh, it used to simply be that you treated other people the way you wished to be treated. Welcome to The Art of Fatherhood, a podcast that takes you on the journey of fatherhood. Now here's your host, Art Eddy. This episode of the Art of Fatherhood podcast is being brought to you by Sabre. This holiday season, give your family the gift of safety and you will gift yourself peace of mind. Sabre is the number one brand trusted by law enforcement and consumers worldwide. They empower generations with a deep range of personal safety product solutions designed with you in mind to keep you and your loved ones safe. Sabre offers a variety of personal safety products that include innovative features designed with you and your family's safety in mind. Parents can carry on knowing that their loved ones are safe carrying Sabre. From pepper gel to personal alarms to many other great products that Sabre offers, make sure you go to their website at saberred.com. That's saberred.com. Not only do they have equipment to keep your family safe, if you follow them on social media, they give a lot of safety tips and they share personal stories about how using Sabre products makes them feel safe and also gives them peace of mind when they're just enjoying life. So if you're looking for the perfect holiday gift for you and your family, make sure you go to saberred.com slash holiday. They have holiday safety bundles, they have great stocking stuffers, and if you're not sure what to get your family or friends, they have a holiday gift guide that is perfect for everybody on your list. So make sure you go to saberred.com slash holiday. That's saberred.com slash holiday. What's going on, everybody? Already here for another edition of the Art of Fatherhood podcast. I'm very lucky to have these two gentlemen on, Ron McGill and Greg Gody. Thanks for taking the time to chat with me, gentlemen. Ron, how you doing? Doing well, Eddie. How are you? Good. How you doing, Greg? Couldn't be better. Glad to be here. Looking forward to chatting with you guys about your book, The Pride of a Lion. But first, I want to talk to you guys about fatherhood. Ron, we'll go with you. When you found out you were going to be a dad, what was going through your mind, sir? Uh, it's just one of the most exciting times of my life. You know, I... Uh... Lucky to be married to a goddess of a woman, and the fact that she wanted to have uh, children with me, it just made my life all that much better. And here I am 31 years later after that first one was born, couldn't be any happier. <laughs> nice. What about you, Greg? My wife and I were married a while before we uh, began having kids. I think we were married six, seven years. So we waited, you know, till the time was right. We were emotionally ready. We were financially ready. It was still... Uh, uh, you know, a very nerve-wracking experience being a first-time father. I remember that day in the hospital, and you know, you're praying everything goes right, and uh, and, and then it becomes just a joy. You know, everybody talks about the terrible twos and how bad it is, but um, we we were lucky, I think. So uh, it's been great. Nice. Yeah, the fact that like the car ride home when you take your first child, even I I have two daughters, but like the first car ride when you get out of the hospital, so nerve-wracking, right? <laughs> oh my God, I I remember just not being sure how to how to hold a, a, a you know a, a two hour old infant for the first time and so nervous and and you know, holding the head up but yeah I uh, it, it's nerve-wracking and and there's you know there are handbooks written about parenting but it's really a learn by doing process and uh, and I remember that car ride home well nice obviously if people know you know your careers both of you, 
Um, they know hard work is probably some of the values that are a value that you guys are looking to instill into your kids respectively. But Ron, talk about some other values that you're looking to instill. Yeah, I think the biggest one is respect. I think mm-hmm. uh, just just respecting people around you. And I'm not saying necessarily just your elders, but everybody. Uh, and I think, uh, sadly, we're seeing a little lack of that lately. Um, you know, a lot of people, you know, I try to tell tell them both always count to 10 before you react to things. Sometimes those knee jerk reactions can you know, have things come out of your mouth that you wish you could take back. So, I mean, these are all things I've learned through experience because I was one of those people that just would pop off passionately right away off of something without really thinking it through. So I, I think that the key thing is respect. I think if we had a little bit more of that from everybody, things would work out a lot better with everybody. Well said, Ron. Yeah, especially in the, you know, microwave society where everything is comes in an instant, right? Take that time to pause, count 10 seconds, whatever the case may be, but just have respect. I love that. The, the other thing is that I try to tell my dad used to tell me when I grew up, he said, son, let me tell you something. No matter who you meet in life, they're going to know something that you don't know. But on the flip side, you're going to know something that they don't know. So the, uh, the object is to, to speak to each other, to share information, to communicate that way. Always understand that no matter who you meet in life, they know something you don't know. So there's something you can learn from them. And I think that's an important thing to, to understand. Great point as well. What about you, Greg? Talk about some of the values. Well, r- respect is is right up there. Um, you, you have to treat people like you'd want to be treated. You know, I'm, I'm old enough where uh, in my household growing up, my mother always used to refer to the golden rule. I don't know if anybody still... <laughs> Uh, if that still applies in this century, but uh, it used to simply be that you treated other people the way you wished to be treated by them. And and I think that's a, a still a foundation uh, all these years later. I also like to instill uh, lightheartedness and, and humor in, in my children. I, I believe that uh, if, if you can smile and, and laugh at stuff, it really keeps the stress level down. You have to be able to go through life uh, working hard, but but also realizing that your off time is your off time and enjoy your life as well. Like that, that those are great right there as well. Ron, talk about something that your kids have taught you about yourself or about life that maybe you didn't know was there until you became a dad. Uh, worry. I mean, worry <laughs> is the big thing. I didn't used to worry about a whole lot of things. You know what I mean? I maybe had a big test coming up or, you know, chance for promotion or something like that. But kids make you realize that there's so much more to the world than yourself. Uh, you know, I, I used to do crazy things when I was younger. I mean, I jumped on crocodiles. I was handling cobras and rattlesnakes, doing all kind of stuff, you know, not just for education, but for the rush. I enjoyed the rush. You know, I was that, you know, early 20s guy who thought I was immortal doing all kinds of stupid stuff. I look back at some of the things that I did playing with, you know, tigers and cobras and all this other stuff. And as soon as those kids were born, I just stopped doing that. I realized, God, you know, Ron, you're being really selfish here. You cannot continue to do that stupid stuff. And it was stupid um, because you have something much bigger that you're responsible for now. And that's something the kids, they taught me how to worry. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. What about you, Craig? I have a similar answer, actually. Instead of how to worry, I would say having kids taught me responsibility. Because like I say, uh, we were married a while before we had kids and 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 we tra- we traveled a lot and we were carefree carefree imagine that uh when when you have kids carefree is not a word that you really associate with your life you know because it's a 24/7 job um and and I used to travel an awful lot in my job when my second son was born uh 2 months later uh, I'm in Barcelona covering the Olympics and and my poor wife is is home alone uh so 
Yeah, I learned responsibility. It it made me grow up. It honestly did. Having, you know, having children really made me realize who I was in the world, what my role was in the world. Everything was redefined. Uh, it was truly a learning experience. Nice. Great well, answers I, and insight on both. Go ahead, Ron. You know, it gave me a sense of purpose, really. I mean, listen, mm -hmm. I, I adore my wife. My wife is a goddess. I'm so happy to be with this woman for, you know, 35 years now. But when the kids came along, it gave you a sense of purpose. Like this is this is going to be your legacy. You want to make sure that you you instill in them the things that would make you proud. Um, so so yeah, I changed a lot of my behaviors, a lot of things. Uh, yeah, like Greg says, it's responsibility that, that that changes you when those kids are born. No doubt. One more question before we get into your great book. Uh, let's talk a little about a dad hack or piece of advice because I have like you know parents that you know. Once they, especially dads, when they come out, when they find out they're going to be a dad, they start looking for books and obviously podcasts on fatherhood. Got a lot of dads like, so glad I found your podcast or new dads to be. So, and they love this question. So dad hack or piece of advice, Ron, you can go first. Um, I know this is going to sound a little bit cold, maybe crass to some people, but remember you're a dad before you're your best friend. Uh, I think growing up, you know, there has to be a sense of, of, authority, a sense of discipline, you know, listen, I never hit my kids or anything like that. But there were times when I had to be very firm with them. Uh, and, you know, I remember one time my daughter looked at me and she just said, I hate you. And man, that hurt hard. That hurt a lot when she said that. But I just kept it, kept it, you know, tough and said, no, that's the way it is. I'm sorry. And, you know, she tells me now as a 27 year old, very successful in Los Angeles, you know, I'm so glad that you taught me these things because she looks at kids now who were had the sense of entitlement and the sense of everything being handed to them um she had to work for the things that she had so i think it's important that you understand that you're a parent first uh a friend later yeah no doubt yeah there's a lot of things where i've said i thought I'm like man i'm glad my parents made it a little bit hard for me here or was tough and then like you, you know you, you're the parent then once they kind of get out of the nest right you're still going to be a parent but that friendship can kind of come into play more absolutely. than just being a parent right so i yeah, love absolutely that. nice what about you greg yeah, it's it's well it's it's um you you do have to draw that line because i've mentioned uh, humor and lightheartedness and my sons and i we get along very well in a jocular sense you know we kid with each other we rag on each other but there is a time and and they're young adults now but there is a time when you still have to be that parent uh but but the the first lesson i learned that i'd pass along is don't feel insulated. Don't feel like you can't reach out and get help and advice from others. If you're lucky, you know, it does take a village. And if you're lucky enough to have a surrounding cast of, of grandparents, hopefully, and aunts and uncles and friends who have been parents before you were, you know, reach out, take advice. Don't be too proud to say, you know, I got this situation to deal with. What the, have you ever dealt with that? And, and see what they say. Great. Both had great piece of advice. Thank you guys very much. And I got to say, congratulations on your book, The Pride of a Lion, What an Animal Kingdom Can Teach Us About Survival, Fear, and Family. And family, obviously, is a definitely a touching point with this podcast. And if people know you, you're both of your work, Ron, obviously, Zoo Miami, Greg with uh, Miami Herald and your podcast and all that, they know that, you know, uh, Greg, you're a great writer. And Ron, the passion you have for animals is amazing, man. It, I think one of the reasons why people like you is because you're pure and genuine with your care for animals and, and just this world. So you guys writing this book, I think, is a match made in heaven. Greg, you can kind of go first. Talk a little bit about how this book came to be. I know you guys work together on, you know, the uh, Dan Levitard show and all that stuff, but how did this book come to be, sir? Well, 
it, it came out of the blue for me. Um, <laughs> you know, I've spent a career writing. People say I, I never write about animals. I write all the time about dolphins and marlins and Florida panthers and the dolphins' best player is a guy in, in nicknamed Cheetah. So I do write about animals, but this was the first time I have written about the four-legged variety. And, uh, you know, I forget whether it was Ron or, or the, the publisher who came to me and mentioned this. And it was such an experience. It, it was not like nothing I'd ever done. I considered it a challenge. Wow. That sounds kind of neat. Yeah, I'll do that. And, uh, I've always found lions to be the one magical animal, the, the animal that symbolizes the wild kingdom for, for me, the whole majesty thing, lion King, you know, the, the roar of the MGM lion, it's just what represented animals to me. And I love the idea of writing essentially the life story of this cub that's born at zoo Miami, the first male cub born at zoo Miami and, and the life he endured and survived and, and went through and, and until the end, he's still alive. Thank God. So it was just something totally different. And I was eager to uh, accept that challenge. What about you? You want to share your thoughts, Ron? Well, I'll tell you what, I I've always wanted to tell the story because if I had not seen it with my own two eyes, I would not believe what I saw in this family of lions, especially in this cub. Um, but I'm just not a really good writer. And, and I remember when I when I spoke to the publisher, Mango Publishing, Hugo is a great guy. You know, he said, no, no, we're interested in this. You know, uh, Mitch Kaplan over at Books and Books had heard the story and he kind of referred me to them. And they they kind of had me go out of their, their, their office and I did a presentation. And I kind of envisioned it first kind of like his little children's book type of thing. And they said, no, no, you know, we can make this a little bit more. And I said, well, I just never really... said, well, we can come up with a ghostwriter type thing. And I said, okay, great. You know, and that's when, when, when Hugo said to me, he said, you know, Rob, what about Greg Cody? You know, you work with Greg on the, and I said, listen, there's no way Greg's going to do this. The guy's got so much stuff on his plate. You know, I'd known Greg, I'd done some fun stuff with him in the past, but you know, I would, I, I, I just felt terrible. I'm not going to ask him to do this because he's such a nice guy. He might say yes, but not really want to do it. And right, I just, I just didn't want to put him in that spot. And he was, Oh, I'll, I'll ask him. Oh, I said, okay. You know, you want to do that. But I just, I set myself up. So we're going to have to find someone else because Greg's not going to be able to do it. And they come back and said, Greg said he's going to do it. I went, what? Are you out of your mind? This is unbelievable. And that was the beginning of it. I mean, I just was so blown away that he agreed to do it. Nice, man. And I'll definitely put up links on where people can uh, pre-order this book and purchase this book. Um, talk about Ron, you know, you, you share a lot of life, life lessons that we can learn through um, the animal kingdom, but from, you know, from the story and you guys' research and all that, and just your, you know, observations, what was going on, what is something, especially in, in terms of family that you guys work on this book together that you saw that we could take away as a life lesson or a moral from, you know, the lions and all that, that we could probably maybe incorporate in the human world and human lives for a better family. Well, for me, I think one of the greatest, most impactful lessons I learned is that motherhood is not necessarily defined by blood that a mother is is not necessarily the one who gave birth to you but it's the one who raises you the one who protects you the one who teaches you the one who loves you and that's a a, a term that i use you know there's that word that comes up called anthropomorphism when you're giving human qualities to animals and i think that's a very selfish word because i think it's very self-centered of us to think that we as humans are the only ones that can feel fear that can feel love that can feel you know excitement and happiness 
all those emotions I saw in the story. I saw things happen here, rage, jealousy. I mean, it was, you know, it's literally, it was like the Lion King in real life. Hmm. I mean, you had two brothers that fought for the, for the love of the mother. We, it was just unbelievable to watch. And then this cub who almost didn't make it, you know, uh, watched a parent die horribly. Um, it was one of these things where there was such a roller coaster ride. But the number one lesson I learned is that for kids, let's say who are adopted, or let's say a kid who lost a parent early and is raised by an aunt or a grandparent, something like that, motherhood is not defined by blood. Not just blood. Motherhood can be who loves you, who raised you. And that goes the same for fatherhood. That's what I learned. In the, that's the biggest lesson I learned in this story. Nice. And so, Greg, you're crafting the story. You know, you're learning from Ron and you guys are, you know, sharing the experience and just sharing the, the journey. What is something that you hope, like a main point that people will take away from reading this book? I hope people, I, I hope this book is something that can bring uh, we human beings and the animal kingdom closer to understanding uh because you know i remember seeing the lion king in the theater when it came out i was so excited i thought it was a terrific movie but i also wondered how much of it was true you know was this just a, a fairy tale it it had some basis in truth and and when when writing about kwasi i i i had no idea that wow if if a young lion cub loses its mother tragically as an infant uh, barely bigger than the size of a football what happens to that animal and i had no idea what could happen in that situation and something very human very human something that we humans can relate to happened uh, something very like adoption and you know family love and these were ron knew all these things these were all new to me in researching this book and talking to Ron, it was an eye opener for me. And it made, did make me feel closer to really understanding that, uh, as Ron mentioned, we humans do not have a monopoly on, on emotion in general. And, and also in the book, uh, we t uh, take a detour and talk about how elephants in the wild mourn each other in, in almost like a funeral like procession. And, and these things are eye opening to me. And if this book, makes people try to have a better understanding of animals that they didn't before it's been a success nice again going back with that word respect right in the golden rule like just not just treat everybody but treat every living thing you know the way you want to be treated right, right? It, it, and, and it doesn't mean you can't have a healthy fear i mean <laughs> a, 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 you know a lion is, is not gonna you don't put your arm around a, a lion's shoulder or anything like that but <laughs> understand that that in their element uh in the wild uh, even in a zoo, uh, they feel and love and hurt uh, just like the rest of us. Yeah, I think Ron would be like after this podcast. Yeah, I hope no one thinks like they can go start, you know, hugging a lion. Yeah, so that would, that would not be good. Um, yeah, the, the bottom line is, listen, there's a saying I repeat it over and over again. In the end, we protect what we love. We love what we understand and we understand what we're taught. I think Greg has written this in such a wonderful way that people are going to learn and understand and in turn love animals because they can see how much like us in many ways they can be. One more uh, question before we finish off with the father quick five. As Greg said, he learned a lot about the animal kingdom, especially lions and all that. Ron, you were kind of like sharing your experience and all that. Let's kind of like think about what you guys, you guys, you know, interact all the time on the Levitard show. You guys do different projects and all that. But what is something that you guys learned while working together that maybe you didn't know until you start working together? 
that Greg really is a softy. You know, yeah, uh, you read his columns and he's, uh, you know, and on the Levitard show, he's kind of the guy who's always kind of like having fun and self-deprecating. But he's a softy. I mean, like I, I brought it up before. Uh, I brought him out there to actually meet Quasi, who now lives at Lion Country Safari. And we drove out onto the habitat. So we're literally within 10 feet of this lion. And I got a big kick out of looking at Greg's face as he was looking at this lion. And he had this smile on his face that... Uh, it was different than a smile that he would have, like, you know, when the Dolphins win. It was just a different kind of smile. It was a, it was an emotion in Greg that, that I saw that said, you know, this guy, is a, he's a softy. He's not just this hardcore sports jock guy. He's, a, <laughs> he's got the soft spot. So I enjoyed that. Nice. What about you, Greg? <laughs> well, of course, I remember that trip to, uh, to see Quasi uh, all grown up and, and with a family of his own and all of a sudden, I'm in the safety of a car, of course. I'm 10 feet from this massive, majestic lion who I'd spent the past better part of the past year learning about and writing about. And that was uh, an emotional moment for me. I, my eyes got moist at one point. Working with Ron has been a delight. Uh, I've, I've known him for a long time, but but I don't know that I know anyone else who's more passionate about their work, about preserving uh, wildlife, about conservation about caring for animals and understanding animals. And th these were things worth conveying in a book. And so uh, it's been great, man. I bugged Ron, uh, I don't know how many dozen times over the past year. Never bugged it, me, Greg. Never bugged me. <laughs> well, we uh, the, the first meeting we had was in the office where he sits now. And um, and the last time we talked about this book was, was watching Kwasi in his element. And in between, he had us over for a Sunday brunch, but but a lot of it was done by Zoom. And I'm like, Ron, you got 20 minutes. I need to ask you about this or talk about a specific chapter of the book. And he was always very gracious. And and uh, it, it's just been a pleasure uh, working with Ron on this book. Love it. Well, again, congrats on the book. We're going to finish off with the Father Quick Five. Ron, you can go first. Then, Greg, you can piggyback. Favorite family movie? Do you guys have one? <laughs> uh, you know, this is going to sound really really schmaltzy and good but i just love it's a wonderful life nice what about you greg my wife and i love it's a wonderful life that's a, a movie that we watch every christmas without yep. fail my kids love making fun of the fact that we love it's a wonderful <laughs> life because to them it's like an ancient movie that's just so hokey and but it, it, we love it and and that's some of the ways that uh we interact with our kids is them making fun of us for loving things that they think is is ridiculous. Nice. My youngest, she's 13. We kind of call her an old soul. She loves a white Christmas. <laughs> it's like, okay, cool. So it's just kind of funny. And like my mom, God rest her soul, loved a wonderful life. So that, mo that movie definitely has a special meaning for me. Favorite song or genre of music that you couldn't wait to introduce your kids to would be what? I'll, I'll, I'll go first while Ron thinks. Okay. Um, we just lost Jimmy Buffett, uh, the great Jimmy Buffett, and uh, my wife and I were big fans of his, and so and so were the kids. That to me was a universal uh, uh, type of music. Um, uh, Elton John, we're a big fan of. Part of the reason I love The Lion King, and and my kids will actually sometimes begrudgingly acknowledge that. Okay, Elton's pretty good too. So um, you know. They need to gravitate to our music because I'm not likely to listen to, uh, I'm less likely to listen to what they like. <laughs> nice. Ron? 
for me, it was always Chicago and Earth, Wind and Fire. I oh. mean, I, and, and I'm fortunate because both of my kids are musicians. My son went on a full scholarship to University of Miami Music, played with Kenny Loggins, with, played with a couple of guys, you know, so wow. he's got a great appreciation of music. He's still doing it. My daughter's the same way. I said, my daughter's gone. She's gone into the Jason Mraz mode. She's into that, that kind of thing. But both of my kids are really wide open when it comes to music, and I'm glad they, they studied music in school. So that's been, music has been a great kind of collaboration for all of us in our family. Describe the perfect family vacation. Where would it be? We love to travel. Um, we've been on a family vacation, uh, walking through the ruins of Rome and um, all sorts of trips to the Caribbean. Uh, we've been to Paris. Um, travel is quite an experience, you know, because travel can be stressful. And and so that's when, you know, the families can bicker on a long trip. Uh, <laughs> uh, we love going on cruises together. I would say uh, that that's something that we really enjoy doing as a family. What was the question again? I, I got so distracted that's talking right. about just describe the perfect family vacation. Where would it be? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, just what I mentioned. I, I would say something as simple as a, as a you know, a couple of days. We were recently in Coco Cay in the Bahamas. That's just an example of, of spending time together more than where you are. Nice. Ron? For me, hands down, no question about it. Safari in Africa. Nice. I brought my kids there on more than one occasion. Um, it's It changed their lives. It changed our lives being there together. Uh, there's something to be said when you go to a place and you can look out. It's the way it was maybe a thousand years ago without any signs of humans. They're not addicted to their phones, nothing like that. Um, I remember coming back on the first trip from Africa and I talked to my son as we're getting off at MIA the airport. And I asked him, I said, so Sean, what is the biggest thing the biggest impression that was made on you on this trip and i'm expecting to say you know we saw the lions and the leopards and the elephants and he walked up to a water fountain he turned it on he started drinking the water from the water fountain he goes to never take this for granted mm. able to drink water out of a water fountain he saw these kids going down to the river and bring you know i i you know piggybacking what what greg was saying i'm a proud university of florida alumnus my education was very important to me but there is no greater education than travel mm. No doubt. Great answer. Yeah. The water thing, man, that's still, that hits me just hearing that. Yeah. We, a lot of things we take for granted. Kind of, I could see Billy Gill or uh, your son, Chris Cody, asking you someone this on the show. You guys wrote about a lion. If you could, if roles were reversed and an animal could write about you, which animal would you want to write about you? I'd say an elephant. Okay. I'd say an elephant because they're, they're smart. They're introspective. They're uh, thoughtful, very family oriented. Yeah. An elephant. Nice. Greg? Wow. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't have as good an answer as that. I once thought, because of the, the phrase wise old owl, I once thought an owl was smart and then Ron taught me otherwise. So um, I, I, I would I would try to pick the most introspective, uh, thoughtful animal. An animal who had a little flair with the pen. You know, I want <laughs> an animal who's going to be able to, you know, be a little artistic in what he's doing. I'm not so sure who, like, like Ron, when I say an animal who has a little bit of a flair with a writing style. Who would that animal be? I have no idea. I would probably go with a minor bird. It's very creative. There you go. They, they, they can take words and weave them together into beautiful things. They're incredibly intelligent, probably one of the most intelligent of all the birds. Um, so a minor bird uh, or any type of raven, you know, that's just a really intelligent, smart animal that is known for its ability to communicate. You know what? I'm picking uh, the Edgar Allan Poe's raven. That's, raven, that's there the you thing. go. That's smartest who's bird in the world. Book. Right. Smartest okay. bird in the world. Okay. I just, before I finish the last question, the Father Quick Five, I just want to say how cool it is 
where it was almost like the reverse of what this book came to be. You know, Ron shared the idea of like, okay, this is this is all the experience and I want you to write it. Now Greg was asking for help about like, okay, I need help. How do I, you know, write like who who should write my book? And Ron just helped him out with that. So it's kind of like roles reversed. I love that. Nice. <laughs> and uh, lastly, Greg, you can go first. Top three words you hope your kids would use to describe you as a dad. What would you want them to be? Always there would be two of them. Okay. Um, if if I can use that as a as a one word mini yeah, phrase, I'll, yes, definitely. Yep. Always there because I truly believe that the first rule of parenting is is be there. You know, don't be an absentee parent. Be there. Um, number two, I think, would be respect, which which Ron mentioned before. Um, you th that's a foundation of one's personality to me is respect. Um, and, and truthfulness. I think truthfulness is super important. And, and the third, again, would be the humor and, and lightheartedness. I, I think if, if you have a light heart um, and, and uh, you can be kind to, uh, to me, humor and, and lightheartedness lead to kindness. It, it, I know those I'm, I'm verbose here because I'm a writer. It's <laughs> not uh, those aren't three words, but th that's the best I can do. No, I appreciate that. No, I appreciate the explanation. What about you, Ron? I would say humor respect and compassion great three words gentlemen it's been an honor to chat with you people make sure you follow ron on instagram at ron mcgill wildlife and follow uh follow greg on instagram at upset bird and also pick up their book the pride of line wherever you purchase your books this is a good book i think the biggest thing in this podcast looks to like you said ron and greg about respect and respecting others we need to take time and look at our environment and take care of the animals and all that and this book will definitely share those stories and want us to do better. So I wish you guys and your families continued success. But again, I really appreciate it. I know you guys are super busy, but it was an honor chatting with you. And I really appreciate uh, this book and obviously your, your, your takes on fathers. But again, thank you for your time. Pleasure's mine. Thank you, Betty. Thank you. I want to say thank you to Sabre for sponsoring this week's edition of the Art of Fatherhood podcast. They have fantastic products to keep you and your family safe. And if you're looking to get the perfect gift for everybody on your list, make sure you go to saberred.com slash holidays. They have a gift guide and it'll tell you the perfect gift for everybody on your holiday shopping list. And while you're on the internet, please go to theartoffatherhood.net, check out all the articles, the podcasts, and please rate, subscribe, and review wherever you get your podcast. I'd greatly appreciate it. It helps get the word out. And I'm trying to promote great fatherhood, great stories from all walks of life. And when you subscribe, rate, and review, it helps me out big time. Thank you for the support. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Art of Fatherhood podcast. Leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts and go to theartoffatherhood.net.